I just thank you for your flexibility. I appreciate it. Oh, I'm going to stop talking because it's recording now. That's that's okay. We edit out the first part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you to everyone who's joining the webinar. We will just wait a second, let folks get into their seats. Um, we've got a big group today, so we'll let, let everybody join before we get started. All right, maybe just one more minute. Let's go ahead and get started. Welcome to today's um, SNEB webinar on advocacy training uh, in preparation for our visit to Capitol Hill and uh, next week during the uh, International Conference while we're in Washington, D.C. So my name is Rachel Dager. I'm the Executive Director of SNEB. I'm glad you're joining for the presentation today. Uh, just a little bit of housekeeping. We will take uh, have time for questions at the end of the presentation. And if you're attending um, the in the event in person next week, um, please hang on after we close the webinar because we've got a little bit of housekeeping, especially for the uh, folks registered for the uh, pre-conference session next Thursday. Uh, so, but then we are recording today. Uh, so watch for a follow-up email. I'll probably try and get that out on Monday. Uh, so you have a link to the slides as well as the recording. Oh, I'm just gonna drop the slides into the chat for everyone to follow along. And then like our other webinars, we have a short survey uh, that pops up when we um, close out the webinar and always appreciate your um, comments on this session as well as any ideas uh, for future webinars. I know the Advisory Committee of Public Policy uh, who's uh, organizing this session and the pre-conference session would appreciate any feedback uh, on additional webinars. So I will turn things over um, to our moderator, um, Dr. Sarah Elnakib, who's the chair of the Advisory Committee of Public Policy for SNEB. All right, excellent. Thank you so much, Rachel. And thank you all for joining us today. We're very excited to um, kind of start off the annual conference a little early and, and get us all prepared for, um, for the uh, conference at Washington, D.C. Uh, like Rachel said, my name is Sarah Elnakib, and I'm um, the current um, chair of the Advisory Committee on Public Policy. And um, I couldn't resist but use a little bit of my time to talk a little bit about ACPP and what we do. Um, and so uh, before we start, I just wanted to kind of uh, share with you that ACPP is a very active committee that really focuses its efforts on establishing the public health, uh, public policy priorities for the Society of Nutrition, Education, and Behavior. Uh, we meet approximately once a month, and we have telephone conference calls and provide input on different policy matters um, that um, that the society would be interested in um, and signing off on. Um, and so this year, while I, you know, during my chairmanship, I was really hoping to try to make 
policy more accessible to nutrition educators and make people empowered to feel like they can have a voice in policy. And so um, you see, uh, we, I would love to, for people who are interested or interested in learning about policy to, to please reach out and sign up for ACPP. We still have a few more um, members um, slots open if you're interested. Um, and you get to meet uh, amazing folks from across the country who are interested in public policy and, and, and for those who are interested in learning about public policy. And we also sit on a few uh, national committees and um, coalitions that really work in public policy. Um, and so this year, uh, we were really fortunate in, in that we were um, kind of attending a lot of the White House uh, listening sessions um, to support, you know, and share some of the nutrition educator perspectives on what we think the White House strategy should be on health, hunger, and, um, and nutrition. And then um, SNEB actually um, kind of hosted our own listening sessions, which were organized by ACPP. Um, in uh, to focus on uh, you know what should the White House conference on um, hunger nutrition and health um, be you know focusing on and highlighting for health uh, nutrition education and then of course on um, September 28th um, I had the the kind of good fortune and pleasure to represent SNEB at the White House conference in, itself. And so we continue to support um, and advocate for the changes that need to be made. And so for, for that reason, we were really excited to kind of organize a Capitol Hill visit where we're bringing uh, nutrition educators to um, Capitol Hill to talk to legislators and staffers about um, you know, what we need to do to support public health and reduce hunger. Um, and so uh, about 25 people signed up to come to um, the conference and do the pre-conference session where we will be meeting um, from 10.30 a.m. to 11.30 with staffers and um, kind of uh, leg legislators on um, key priorities for nutrition that were really focused, like brought together by the listening sessions that we heard from um, the White House conference, as well as the um, priorities for uh, communities that we are part of, like the Center for um, Science and the Public Interest and, um, and other kind of key partners. Um, and so to prepare for this, we wanted to kind of create this uh, pr presentation and webinar for us to just learn about how to um, kind of like provide key messaging to uh, staffers and legislators. And then we also developed a leave behind with SNEB priorities uh, for the farm bill that we'll be hoping to kind of highlight during our visit at, in, on Capitol Hill, as well as really um, ask people to uh, kind of focus their stories and, and kind of prior, you know, um, statistics and everything around. Um, and these priorities, like I said, were highlighted by the listening sessions that uh, SNEB members um, attended for the White House conference, as well as, um, you know, uh, emphasized by other uh, documents from CSPI. And so um, with that, it gives me great pleasure to introduce uh, Jacob uh, Milter, who is the Feder Federal Affairs uh, Policy Associate um, for the Center uh, for Science and the Public Health, uh, Public Interest. Um, he collaborates um, with, you know, Hill, um, Federal advisors and coalition um, you know, partners and state and local partners to advocate for equitable uh, nutrition policy. And so um, with that, I'm gonna kind of hand it over uh, to Jacob and then we will uh, we'll talk about some of the, the things that we're gonna focus on for the um, 
you know, SNEB, he'll visit after his session. So thank you so much, Jacob. Thank you so much, Sarah. And while I'm getting the screen share set up, I'd love to see in the chat, um, just a show of uh, hands, or I guess show of chat messages, one of if people have engaged in uh, federal lobbying before, or if people have lobbied or done policymaker education before. Um, and also, you know, how familiar people would say they are with the Farm Bill. And any degree of answer on either of those is fantastic, really just helps me to figure out calibrating uh, my presentation at a couple points. Um, also wanted to flag that at the end of the presentation, um, going to ask for a couple of brave audience volunteers to do some simulated lobbying. Um, so uh, just think about that in advance. If there's, if you'd like to get in some, a practice round of doing a lobbying visit, would love to have you join on. And if not, I may pick someone at random. Um, so uh, my name is Jake. I'm a federal affairs policy associate at the Center for Science and the Public Interest. Um, CSPI is a nonprofit consumer watchdog and advocacy organization. We've been around since the 70s. Um, we work primarily on nutrition as well as on food safety and some on biotech, a number of different issues. Um, and we work at federal and state and local levels. Um, we, um, I'm on our federal affairs team, so I um, as Sarah said, work a lot with the Hill, do a lot of lobbying visits, um, and currently have been very focused in on the Farm Bill specifically. Um, so today we're going to um, talk about sort of a Farm Bill 101. I'm going to, I'm planning to go through that a little bit quickly so we can focus more on the lobbying 101 and lobbying role play. But if folks have any questions about that, very much welcome them either in the chat or in the Q&A function and happy to answer those throughout. Um, and then we'll leave some time at the end for Q&A, although please feel free to ask questions as we go through. Um, <clears throat> so with that, I'm going to start off with Farm Bill 101. And I see a bunch of messages coming in through the chat. Awesome. Fantastic variety of experience here. Um, so Farm Bill 101. What does the Farm Bill cover? So the Farm Bill has a bunch of chapters that are called titles. And the numbers and the substance matter of those titles change over time. but Generally, there's a core set of them. Title four, the nutrition title, is going to be the one most relevant to your work. That title covers SNAP, federal feeding programs, and most other things, you know, feeding and food related under USDA's jurisdiction. Um, so I mentioned nutrition programs. Which nutrition programs are sort of are centered in the Farm Bill? There's several. The chief among them is SNAP, um, and you know, GUSNIP is in within that as well. There's also the uh, Nutrition Assistance Program, FDIPR, PFAP, CSFP, uh, and the Senior Farmers Market Nutrition Program. I don't know if people read that as an abbreviation or not, but, um, and Community Food Projects and, and more, but these are sort of the major food programs that are within the Farm Bill. And, you know, it's called the Farm Bill, but it should, you know, probably be called the Food and Farm Bill. Just for perspective on it, this is from the 2018 Farm Bill, the you know, projected spending of it. And about three quarters of the bill um, are on nutrition programs. Most of that goes towards SNAP as well as some other programs. Um, so just to give a sense, you know, when you're looking at the bill, um, you know, it's mostly SNAP, then crop insurance, commodities, and conservation. Those are sort of all the big parts of the bill. So, you know, now that we know some of the core contents of the farm bill, um, why is everyone so focused on it? People are focused on the Farm Bill because it's must-pass legislation. So Congress doesn't pass most bills, 
but there's some bills that they must pass or or other consequences happen. Um, for example, with appropriations or the government funding spending bills, those bills to fund the government, they have to pass those um, or there's a government shutdown. Um, with the farm bill, um, if it's not passed or extended, some programs, although mo most programs continue fine, but some programs have weird old rules kick in or um, some potentially expire. So there's just, there's odd interactions with old law that makes it so that Congress every five years passes a farm bill. Um, so as I was saying, there's a new farm bill about every five years. Um, the last one was passed in 2018 and it expires September 30th, 2023. Um, as a side note here, so the bill is generally done for five years. Occasionally there will be like brief one-year extensions of the bill, um, which is my, my current opinion is I think it's pretty likely that there will be a one-year extension and that they'll do sort of a fuller bill in another year. But advocacy at this point is still really, really important. The earlier that you can get something into or prevent something from getting into the bill, uh, the easier it is to make that that end bill look like what you want it to look like. Um, so, you know, the bill is driven forward partially from some weird pricing things that kick in if it's not passed, also because there's a combination of nutrition and agriculture policy within it, and sort of that unity between agriculture and nutrition policy that, that pushes the bill forward. Um, within the bill, there's some really important opportunities to set funding levels for programs and to adjust the law and sort of rules governing programs. Um, there's also some abilities within that to address, you know, longstanding inequities and make a really positive impact on public health and on the food system writ large. So I'm gonna go through a couple of common terms here. You don't need to memorize or know these. These are just things that you might hear a staffer say in a meeting. So as a reference, as you know, background info, when we're talking about funding, funding can either be mandatory or discretionary. Mandatory means that it's written into the farm bill that um, that amount of funding must be given to something. Discretionary basically means that the funding is actually going to be provided in the annual government funding appropriations process. And so essentially that means that Congress is creating an account that could be filled, but that another committee has to fill money into that. Um, you know, mandatory funding for programs that you want to be funded is ideal, but sometimes many things are funded through discretionary means. Um, you might hear the term baseline. So the baseline is an estimate by the Congressional Budget Office or CBO of what future, future federal spending on mandatory programs would be if current law continues. So it's projecting current law over the next five years, what will that cost? And that forms the baseline of the bill. Title IV, which I mentioned before, is the nutrition title of the Farm Bill. Um, TFP, the Thrifty Food Plan, I'm sure many of you are familiar with many of these, but uh, TFP, the Thrifty Food Plan, is the basis for calculating SNAP benefits, and it was recently updated following um, directives in the 2018 Farm Bill. Um, the base bill is the version of the bill that the Agriculture Committee generates, and the other term, and a very useful term you might hear, is a marker bill. And so the Farm Bill is a very long bill composed of a lot of different text. The way folks tend to get text that they want into the Farm Bill is they release a thing called a marker bill. And a marker bill is text that they want to get into the Farm Bill that they release as a standalone bill, an office releases a standalone bill. 
and they try to get more co-sponsors onto it and organizational endorsements and build support, uh, use it to build support around a specific issue or set of issues. So for example, um, a recently released one was the, the O-SNAP Act is a marker bill in the space that would um, provide more funding to the Gus Schumacher Nutrition Incentive Program and also reduce state match requirements. So they tend to be on one or two specific items. Um, and the hope is that enough support is built around those marker bills that the text is ultimately brought into the core farm bill. And um, I'm gonna thank the NSAC, the National Sustainable Agriculture Coalition for this great graphic. Um, but just in terms of the process and sort of where we are in farm bill process of getting to law, um, the process is indicated over on the left, but the House and Senate committee, agriculture committees both have to generate their bills, debate them, pass them, then they conference them if there are differences, which there will be, where they work out all the kinks and differences, then those go back to the full floors, they approve it, goes to the president, is signed, and then eventually becomes law. So there's a lot of steps in the process to come. Um, neither committee has yet released its version of the base bill, neither agriculture committee, uh, but a lot of offices have been and over the next couple months will continue to be introducing marker bills around their key priorities. So, um, and just I wanted to touch for a note on some of the political dynamics around this farm bill. Um, you know, at a very basic level, the two, the bill that comes out of the House and the bill that comes out of the Senate are going to look quite different. So the House bill is going to be a partisan bill, Republican-led. Um, the Senate bill is going to be Democrat-led by a chairwoman, Debbie Stabenow. But um, because, uh, because of the filibuster, it's going to end up being bipartisan. So it's not going to go as far in either direction as Republicans or Democrats want. I think the general expectation is that the final bill is expected to more closely resemble the Senate bill than the House bill. Um, but there will be differences between them that will be hashed out within that conference process I was talking about on the last slide. Um, there have also been some tie-ins to um, the debt limit agreement that was passed, which increased the, um, the age limit for time limits and also are potentially some tie-ins with the fiscal year 2024 appropriations process. Um, so just wanna note that sometimes these things get linked together and, and overlap. Um, and you know, a couple of issues, I guess, um, I don't know how much the time limits slash work requirements, um, I would consider it a hot button issue anymore, but it um, you know, definitely a, has been a point of a lot of debate and there's some drive on the house side to try to increase first from some representatives to try to increase time limits or restrictions um, on access. Um, and then the thrifty food plan update, which was, uh, you know, increased. So the thrifty food plan was updated, um, you know, increases the benefit level generally um, that led to an increased baseline for the bill. So an increased cost for the bill. Um, or projected cost, um, which was, that was, you know, included in bipartisan 2018 farm bill. Um, that being said, that's become a point of contention because, because it raised the cost of the bill. So flagging that those just may be two issues that you might hear about. Um, 
I know I went through that a little bit quickly. Um, so I want to pause for questions before going into the lobbying prep section. So do folks have any questions about sort of background on the farm bill, um, you know, next steps, political dynamics, anything in that realm? Let's say I see someone with their hand raised. Let me. Oh, got a couple people. All right. Let um, let me go ahead and let open the microphones. Jigna. Uh, hi. Yes. Uh, so my quick question is that um, under that farm under the nutrition title, uh, the WIC program does it come under this farm bill? No, are the I mean the rules governing it are more so set in the appropriations process, by and large. Um, please correct me if I'm wrong on that, anyone. But my my understanding is that primarily it focuses on staff and those okay. other programs. Okay, thank you. I will double double check that though. Following my yeah, section, I, I think oh, it's in the child nutrition reauthorization. Is it? I remember Thank we were you, talking about WIC during, um, you know, the child nutrition reauthorization. Thank you. I appreciate that. There's and so there have been some provisions on it that have been trying to address components of it in the appropriations bill. But Sarah, spot on, and thank you. You know, it's been so many different bills over the past year. Uh, forgot about child nutrition reauthorization entirely. But yeah, that which um, covers school meals and WIC and a number of other programs. Um, and, and Yasha, did you have a question? Yeah, I did. I think uh, what I'm interested in is when we are uh, focusing on lobbying for the nutrition-centered bills, what is the intersection between what maybe small and medium-sized farmers are asking for and kind of connecting that to um, efforts that we have for SNAP support? I, you know, I'm thinking about the Farmers market that that really supports them. The um, the food boxes that were going out and had increased those types of things. I mean, what what do you see as the alignment between what farmers are asking for, especially the small and medium sized farmers, and that what we're supporting? Thanks. Uh, thank you. I think that's a great question. Um, I am, and I'm going to partially answer it, and then also um, punt a little bit to to Sarah later to see if um, that can partially be answered by the, the overall SNAB priority set. Um, you know, I think there's there's opportunity in the programs that you listed, as well as in, yeah, farmers markets with the GUSNIP program, um, potentially some opportunities. I mean, this is just a, a CSPI and, and a couple of our partner specific priority around the, um, around in the charitable food system, looking at the, um, the Farm to Food Bank program, which is a donation program as well that, you know, folks are trying to change in a couple ways to increase funding and also to enable purchases of food from small local farmers as opposed to just donations. So there's definitely opportunities for overlap, um, especially around some of those issues. That being said, I think that you don't necessarily in the, the advocacy, you don't necessarily need to couch it in that, um, you know, the nutrition programs should be supported in their own right by many of these offices. Can be helpful to make those ties for sure though. Does that answer your question? Uh, yes, thanks. Of course. Sorry, I was just looking for the unmute button, but one thing that we will be kind of focusing on 
for our um, kind of advocacy session is going to be supporting like local and sustainable food systems. And so we're going to try to tie that into things like um, spending, um, not just for a nutrition program, like incentivization of like more local and sustainable, but also for research and, and, and things like that. And so um, I'll be talking about that in a little bit. Uh, but yeah, there's ways to infuse it, but we shouldn't kind of um, like to Jacob's point, like um, make the funding of the nutrition, you know, uh, components contingent on that, I think. Awesome. Um, and thank you also for flagging the, the hand feature. I'm going to keep an eye on that now when I ask questions. Um, so I'm going to hop along now into the lobbying prep section. Um, but again, any more Farm Bill questions, please feel free to ask any of us. So lobbying. Lobbying is asking a policymaker to, or asking their staff generally, to take a, a position on a piece of legislation. Um, there's also policymaker education, which some folks are not allowed to lobby, but they can do policymaker education. Anyone can do that, where you can educate someone on an issue. You just can't specifically say, take this position on this on this bill. Um, so when you're lobbying, you're going to go through some best practices and then eventually a role play. So keep in mind if you would like to volunteer and get some practice in. Um, in general, the most important thing to do in a lobbying visit is to make an ask or, or do the education that you're doing to the member or their staff. Um, it's easy to talk big picture about about the issue, but if there are specific asks that you want them to do, either to support a certain priority in a bill or to sign us onto a specific piece of legislation, make sure to make that ask of them. You also want to establish yourself as a resource to, um, generally you'll be meeting with staffers, um, which is also, which is great. Um, staffers tend to be the folks who do a lot of the, the work on policy for the members. Sometimes you'll meet with members as well, but um, you'll often meet with like an agriculture or a health staffer. Um, with that staffer, you want to establish yourself as a resource. And so um, that means, you know, sharing resources if you have them, like a one pager or like a set of policy priorities, uh, demonstrating your experience. Um, I'm going to get to this on the next slide, but if you don't know the answer to something, that's, that's fine and fine to say. Um, and better to say that than to make things up on the spot. Um, you also want to use, if you can and if you have it, state or congressional district specific data. No need if not, but if you have that, it can help drive home a point, as well as telling stories that um, you have or, or having others tell their stories as well. Um, it can be particularly helpful. I, you know, I think nutrition educators have, I, I've worked with different groups of nutrition educators on, you know, some food labeling bills and you all are wonderful storytellers and communicators. So. Um, I think uh, telling some stories about how these changes could be impactful um, will really, really help put a human element and drive home the points you're making. Um, and then you also want to change or reinforce what they're saying to the narrative you want to tell. And so part of that can be kind of subtle reframing. So for example, if they're you know, talking about um, SNAP work requirements, you can reframe that to talking about framing it as sort of arbitrary time restrictions, arbitrary, arbitrary time limits, you know, different ways. If they're, if they're saying points you disagree with, um, helpful to reframe it. 
um, if they're saying things that you, or to pivot the conversation, if they're saying things that you do agree with, great to reinforce it, you know, and just um, reinforce, you know, repeat your support for that priority. Um, following meetings, also you wanna find ways to stay in touch with staffers. So afterwards it can be small touches, but you can send, you can share over articles or studies or press releases or other information that could be helpful to them. And that drives home the point that you're, that you're making. So going over a few more best practices, if you don't know the answer to a staffer's question, that's totally fine. And just say you'll follow up with them. So I use this phrase all the time in my meetings. Let me check in with my team on that and get back to you. Um, you know, no one knows the answer to everything and folks appreciate it when you, when you tell them straight that you don't know something, but that you'll give them more information later. Um, another thing you want to make sure to do in meetings is to engage the staffer. A really important thing is to pause and prompt them for questions. Um, you know, that can be as simple as, you know, pausing and saying, I know that was a lot of material. I want to stop for a moment. Do you have any questions about that? Um, you can also ask them more pointed questions saying, you know, they'll say, okay, that sounds important, or my boss might be interested in that. And then you can say, you know, what would you need for your boss to sign on to that? Or, um, you know, what more information could be useful to you as you consider this, but making sure periodically to pause and engage and give them an opportunity to ask questions of you. Um, oftentimes people will go into a meeting very excited to speak, but then we'll just sort of speak through an entire half hour meeting. Um, and that doesn't give, you know, eventually staffers, some staffers are great with that, but some will kind of tune out over time. And so just doing small sort of checks to re-engage them throughout is really important. You also want to expect unpredictability. So some of these um, prompts I have in here are more geared towards individual meetings where you go to a hill visit to a hill office, as opposed to having a bunch of folks come to you. That being said, um, I, I would expect unpredictability. So visit times, locations, or the people you might be meeting with can change day of and often minutes before. Um, sometimes votes will take place and folks have to run out and run back. Um, Sometimes other groups are, will be meeting with the member or with the staffer that same exact day or in the same room and members of Congress may sort of come and go either to vote or just do other things throughout. So um, it's a pretty fast paced environment there and just you have to be ready for some of the dynamics to change. Maybe you're not gonna meet with the person you expected to meet with, but sort of go in and deliver the, the points in the conversation you're expecting to, to engage with them on. If you're doing meetings with a group, um, it's best to do prep meetings beforehand um, and assign speakers and a facilitator and just have a sense of, of roles and try to keep the time. Um, oftentimes, you know, half an hour is generally sort of the upper limit of where meetings, of how long meetings go. Sometimes they're shorter. So when time is that tight and you're, you know, trying to make it a two-way street with back and forth, it helps to have roles pretty clearly defined. Um, you know, if you're leaving behind materials, bring hard copies of them and also, um, Feel free to send over electronic copies in advance or following up, following your meeting. Um, and then before I go into a suggested script, wanted to ask the folks who have um, done some lobbying and engagement in that way before, um, maybe you can just pop in in the chat if you have any other best practices that you'd recommend. If you cannot lobby in your roles, can you still provide education? Yes, you can. Um, so you can do policymaker education. So, you know, if there's our marker bill, for example, on like the OSNAP Act, sorry, I know I keep going back to the OSNAP Act, but this one that I was referencing before that increases JustNet funding, 
you can say, you know, it's really, it would be impactful for, you know, increased gusnet funding would be impactful in my work and here's why. Um, you just can't say um, increased gusnet funding would be really impactful and sign on to this bill. Does that answer your question, Patricia? How do you find out who the staff will be in their contact? So um, it seems like with your event, yeah, Sarah, if you wanna take that one. Yeah, so um, we will have for those um, kind of going to the Hill visit, we already have some of the organizational tips that Jacob mentioned. So um, part of the, the second half of this meeting, we'll be discussing the five key points that we're gonna to try to make in this one hour meeting. We will have a list of the speakers we current or, or staffers that we currently have um, who have agreed and a list that we want to target. So we're going to try to get the folks who are in those states to target them and email them and get them to come to the session. Um, and so we can de definitely discuss that in the second half of the meeting. Awesome. Thank you, sir. Yeah. And, and thank you, Jacob, for clarifying, because I know a lot of us might work for universities or other places that aren't allowed to kind of a lobby. So I think just uh, kind of reframing the discussion around this is what the data says and, and this is what I'm hearing on the ground and you don't have to say anything else because I think we can all make a compelling case for the need for some more you know support in all of these nutrition programs just by speaking to the data and not having to like explicitly say you should do this or that. Um, and so that's kind of, you know, from my perspective as like a Professor at Rutgers, that's the way I'm I'm viewing uh, this role is just really education. But for those who are not working for um, kind of uh, institutions that can lobby, then you can definitely say that, you know, I think you should definitely do this. Awesome. So again, this slide is a little bit more framed towards lobbying than policymaker education, but I think the core of it is still the same. This is just a brief suggested script. Um, so start whatever meetings that you're doing with a round of introductions. Um, after introductions, have your, whatever size your group is, have your group discuss priorities and you can, you know, frame that around the work that you're doing or just the issues that you're seeing on the ground. So, you know, you could say, you know, X thing is really important to me. Um, you know, GUSNIP funding is really important to, to our practice. Um, it's important to me because of these reasons and, you know, it makes these changes on the ground. Um, if you have any other talking points or stories or data you want to share, you can share that. Um, and then, you know, if you can lobby, you can make an ask saying, will you support this priority in the farm bill? If you're doing education, you can also say, you know, how is there more information I can provide you about this? How could we be a resource to you um, on this really important issue? Um, after that, you, you're going to want to close up the visit. And then, you know, later on, you want to send a thank you and follow up message with any materials that you referenced, um, either repeating any asks or offers to provide more information or data and answering any questions that they might have had that you didn't have an answer to at the time. So would now love to do a practice round of some lobbying. Do I have any brave audience volunteers who want to do a brief lobbying practice. I promise I'll be a very friendly staffer.
Okay, well, I will give folks two more seconds to think about that, and then I may either pick at random or or have Sarah choose. But while while folks think about that, I want to show two other resources that um, I shared over PDFs of as well, and just they'll be in the slide deck, which I think will be shared out with folks after. But the first is just a map of the Capitol. Um, so this is just for reference. The House side is on the south. Um, in this in this view, the um, Senate side is on the north. Um, there's a couple of other important buildings nearby. So that Rayburn, Longworth, and Cannon office buildings are the key house ones, and Russell, Dirksen, and Hart are the Senate ones. And then I also included a list of just some of the dining locations um, in those office buildings as well. Um, there's plenty of dining locations throughout, but there's a couple of main cafeterias um, as well as coffee locations. Um, you know, I, I drink a lot of coffee, so that tends to be where I head to. Um, okay, so who's going to be our, our fantastic audience volunteer? All right, so I recognize a few names of the folks who are coming to DC, so I'm, I'm going to choose one of them if no one else is going to step up, if that's all right. Um, so I, I see Laura um, uh, Velmer, who I believe signed up for the Hill visit, uh, Leslie Friedman, Either, either one of you guys, if you want to, um, sorry to put you on the spot, but you're also ACPP members, so I feel <laughs> a little bit more comfortable asking you. Uh, so, so Rachel, if we can unmute uh, or uh, give Laura uh, and Leslie a, a chance to unmute, and then, then we can kind of get started. I wonder if I might have to raise hand. I'm not sure. I've only oh. used our feature a few times. Okay. Yeah, I see that they raised their hand. Thank you. Thank you both for for being willing participants. Um, I am not able to unmute folks to bring them onto video. I'm sorry, who who needs to move where? So Laura or Leslie, I think they have their raised, hands raised. Okay, hold on. Thank you. Okay, here's Leslie. Let me allow you to talk. Allow you to talk. All right. And I'm gonna yep. make you pa panelists too. So I think you ought to be able to turn on your cameras. Welcome both. Um, and feel free, cameras on or off, whatever is comfortable for you. Um, I am going to start by playing a Democratic office uh, agriculture staffer. Um, and Leslie, your, your camera's on. Do you want to give it a go first? Sure. I'll... Just a second. We have two computers. Oh no. <laughs> I'm I'm happy to go first in audio only mode. I am just not camera ready. So hopefully that's fine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. 
Um, I'm going to be playing the same role. Um, yeah, go for it, Laura. Okay, great. So, um, hi, it's so nice to meet you. My name is Laura. I'm a cooperative extension advisor, and I serve three counties in the California Bay Area, San Francisco, San, San Mateo, and Santa Clara County, and I, I also oversee a SNAPBED um, program. Nutrition education, thanks for meeting with me. Nutrition education is so, so important. You know, it gets people the information they need. Um, how, yeah, um, you know, very, thank you for coming down here all the way too. How can we, how can we help you today? Yeah, thanks so much. I'm so glad you see the value of nutrition education. And I, I totally agree with that, but I think it's also really important to make sure that folks have um, the tools or resources they need to put that nutrition education um, into practice. And I don't know if you have um, heard or seen or talked about the OSNAP bill, um, but I did want to sort of chat with you a little bit about the, the GUSNIP program. Have you heard of that program before? Um, you know, I think I have, but I'm a little bit newer, newer to this. So would you would you be able to remind me of it? There's just so many abbreviations that go around. Yes, no, totally. I feel you. Um, so this is this might be rough. So apologies to my colleagues. Um, so the GUSNIP or Nutrition Incentive Programs, they provide um, sort of matching funds uh, to maximize the impact of um, SNAP benefits or other kinds of benefits so that uh, folks can buy more fruits or vegetables, which we know are so, so important for health and also can be difficult for many communities to access. So um, the GUSNIP program um, has been sort of rolled out, um, but it's been shown to be really effective at improving, at improving folks' diet quality and also their health. Um, so it would be so wonderful if in this farm bill, we were able to continue to grow that program, which has already been proven to work well. Got it. So that's, that's double up, right? Yes, exactly. Okay. Okay. Oh yeah. My boss is a huge fan of double up, double up. Um, so yeah, how would you, um, you know, funding is going to be tight in this farm bill, but how, how would, do you think it, that it should be expanded? What would, what would make a change in your work? You know, um, so I work at a university, so um, what I have seen is that, um, or what I have heard also from my nutrition educators who work on the ground, is that sort of, again, it's one thing to receive education, but it can be really frustrating if you don't feel like you have the ability to put that information into practice. So it sort of connects efforts to um teach people about what to eat, but then it gives them the ability to make it happen. And then the other thing that we've heard is that for um, local farmers, it also strengthens um, or increases the number of people who are coming to the farmer's market or who are accessing them. So it also benefits and strengthens our local food system. And so it's been a really popular program in our community. Got it. Okay. And do you have any, um, you know, I'm pretending now that I'm from from your district. Um, so, you know, it's great to hear from folks in the district as well. I was wondering if you had any specific data, just because the boss really likes that kind of information. Um, you know, it, it just helps drive home the importance of these issues. Do you have any of that on you? Yes, for sure. <laughs> or actually, no, I'll say no, but I'm happy to follow up. Um, I'll, I can put you in touch with and share some um, re re reports from the organization that implements this program. That, that would be fantastic. And we also, you know, it's August recess is coming up soon too. So we might be looking to do some site visits as well. Um, so is there someone from your team we could chat with about that? Are you, are you the right contact for that? Yes, definitely. Yeah, we'd love to have you out to one of the farmer's markets and you could meet some of the participants. Awesome. Um, well, 
I have to run to a floor vote, but thank you so much for taking the time to, to meet with me. Um, you know, great work that you're doing and thanks for coming down. Thank you. All right. Um, that was fantastic. Round of applause for Laura. Um, I'm sorry if I absolutely butchered how Gus Smith works. No, I do not know the program. <laughs> no, the um the amount of times I've accidentally you know subbed in the words in the uh in spelling out the abbreviation, I, I always triple check it now in email. Um, but awesome. So Sarah, I know we're at 1:45, so I do you know I I have capacity for another one of these, but I want to pass it over to you um, to go over some of the priorities. How does that sound? Yeah, thank you so much, Laura, for being such a great sport and kind of um, uh, doing that little role play with us. But I think it's exactly to the point of what we're trying to do um, next week. So so thank you so much. Round of applause. I, I hope to see all of the chat applause um, coming through. Um, so thank you so, so much. And uh, Jacob, thank you again for such a great presentation. I think it was really informative and helpful and, and can help us get organized for um, our, our Hill visit next um, next week. So we're, we're very appreciative of your time and effort and, um, and hope to see you in DC while we're there. So, so thank you again. Thank you. Hope to see you all too. And, you know, really exciting. And you all have a lot of information and stories and good things to share. So, you know, um, they should be excited to hear from you and I'm excited for you to have your visits with them. I'm going to stop the share now. Um, I'll hang on to the call, though. Um, if folks have any other questions about lobbying or farm bill background, please feel free to, to message any over. Thanks. All right, excellent. Well, um, at this point, I want to just thank everyone who attended the webinar and, um, and for everyone who is um, kind of interested in APP, please, please connect with us, either with me or Rachel, and we're happy to kind of uh, bring you on board for for the next, um, you know, for the next, uh, this upcoming year. So please do reach out if you're interested in, in participating. Um, so, so at this point, um, this, for the folks who are not going to come to DC, we're going to close out the, the webinar. So if, if you don't mind um, exiting the webinar for those not coming to DC, and then for those who are coming to DC, please hold on, stay with us, because we have a, a, a little bit of information we're going to share. Um, and so uh, I, I'm just gonna wait like one minute and then um, and then I'll start with uh, with our section. All right. Um, so for uh, next steps, uh, I, so we were very excited to kind of get today's webinar just to kind of uh, give us a grounding in what to expect. Um, but we're we're really hoping that um, for for this for to make the most of our time on the hill, we want to make sure that that we have kind of three things um, that we're doing from now until next week, and then a, another thing that we're going to do afterwards. And so the first is to ensure that legislators and staffers are coming to our meeting room and are meeting with us uh, for that session. So I will share with you a list of the folks who have already RSVP'd and the folks that we are targeting and. And kind of to Jacob's point before, we're really trying to focus on the folks in the ag committees, uh, both in the Senate and um, on the Hill and House side. So we're we're going to kind of uh, focus on them, and then we want to work together to highlight some of the statistics and stories. And so a mentor of mine once told me, you know, a statistic without a story is so what, 
and a story without a statistic is just anecdotal, right? And so you want to make sure that you are kind of having a statistic and a story for each of these um, kind of high priority areas that we're going to focus on. And so uh, one thing that I'm hoping to do is just um, today, just share the, the priority areas with you and then have you start thinking about what you want to highlight. Um, and then we're going to have a Qualtrics survey that goes out to the folks coming to DC to, to just stay organized and say who's going to speak about what topic. Um, and then we'll have kind of a curated list so that we're not all speaking over each other and that, you know, we're a little bit more organized. Um, and then finally, we want to just stay connected um, into, as we get closer to the date. So really, it's only seven days away. And so we want to just make sure that in the next seven days, we have everything we need. Um, to, to be prepared for uh, the session. So currently the, the leave behind is being uh, reviewed by the, the society uh, board. And so hopefully we're having it um, kind of uh, pre prepared and, and ready for us next week, but um, we'll just focus on the priorities in those because we don't think that they'll change that on, that much. Um, so currently we have a few uh, uh, folks who are actually we're very excited to have um, who are going to be who have already RSVP'd saying that they will um, come to the to our room and and kind of discuss this with us. The first is um, Congressman Jim McGovern's office, uh, staffer from his office, and so he has been instrumental in a lot of the um, you know White House conference um, sessions and and really pushing nutrition and and health. And so we're very excited to have somebody from his office there. Um, we're also having a few uh, folks who are on the Ag Committee there, so we're excited for um, those people both on the Senate and House side who will be attending. So, so we have about um, five, six people who have registered and, and said they, they were attending, um, but we do want to make sure that um, we're, we're kind of highlighting a few others. And so there's some um, kind of professional staff and um, and and kind of direct like high level staffers that we would love to have attend this session. And so um, the, the first is uh, Jennifer Tiller, who is the Republican kind of deputy staff uh, director for the Ag Committee, the House Ag Committee. And so having her kind of come in and listen to our um, stories would be really helpful. Uh, another one is Catherine Thomas um, and, and, and Catherine uh, Stewart. Uh, on the Democratic side of the House, and then um, Claire um, Barzner, who is um, on the Democratic side of the House for the Nutrition and Forestry Committee, so the Ag Nutrition and Forestry Committee. So we have their emails, and so we would love for you know folks after this call to start emailing them. We have a template email. We did email them ourselves from SNEB, but sometimes, like Jacob said, that personal touch, saying what state you're from and where you are, um, can help just push them over the edge to make sure that they attend. Um, and then we have a list of the House and Senate staffers. Um, and so even though it would be great to speak to, you know, um, the congressmen and congresswomen and, and senators and, uh, themselves, sometimes it's the staffers who get, the, you know, the, that get into the nitty gritty and kind of can remember your story and, and reiterate it when the time is needed. And so it's really important to kind of, um, you know, speak to them as well. So, so that's why we're really focusing on staffers and trying to get their uh, them to attend our session. So after this, after today, we'll send a list of the staffers um, that our, um, you know, good friend Tom uh, Joseph's put together that we're going to try to focus um, to attend this session. 
So like I said, I'll circulate the list of the staffers and if you could email them, we have a sample email, but again, if you can make it as personal as possible, right? Talk about where you're from, uh, what state you're in, um, what you work in and, and why you want them to attend. I think that would help kind of just drive, um, you know, a foot, you know, foot traffic into our room. Um, the second is um, just to promote the five key focus areas that we are interested. Um, um, all right, great. So, so Rachel just said she sent out a reminder email to everyone to SME yesterday. So, so that's great. So, with us following up from personal emails, that I think it would be really helpful. Um, so these are the five key focus areas that we submitted to the board. And we heard these key focus areas from our solicitation for the White House conference. We developed a kind of document that we sent out to the White House with our priorities from SNEB. And then these are the same priorities we see that sister organizations like CSPI and NANA pushing out as well. And so, um, so I'm gonna go through all of them. And what I did was, what we were trying to do is just um, kind of provide the evidence of why this is important and then provide key things that they need to do, right? Uh, being that specific, adding what we want to, to do is really important. And so um, one thing um, that I would just say is that, um, you know, if you are from a university like myself, you just wanna make sure that you're kind of focusing on the evidence and maybe we can have a few other people who are kind of really pushing the ask um, to be specific. Um, and so the first thing is expanding um, kind of nutrition, food and nutrition education programs. And so really being explicit about, you know, increasing funding from, you know, the, the current 450 million to about at least 900 million. And so um, we're trying to say that we're trying to reach more people, enable more organizations to participate, and it really encourage innovation in this space, right? Um, and so really trying to like push that they will increase the amount of money that goes into the SNAP-Ed programs um, is, is really important. Um, and then the other is to really uh, fund and develop and share evaluation approaches for um, you know, stronger food and nutrition um, education programs. And so really just uh, those two things, which is supporting the research of nutrition education and just expanding reach of SNAP-Ed are our asks for this section. Um, of course, we can ask for a lot more, but one thing I would suggest is just to think about maybe a story, if you work in SNAP-Ed, a story that you could share about the impact that SNAP-Ed has had on people's lives. And then uh, perhaps we can share kind of some of the statistics around, you know, how much outreach and, and, and um, kind of support, um, whether it's SNAP-Ed or nutrition education, um, has currently had and then and then kind of the forecast, right? Um, and so when I send out the Qualtrics survey, it'll include all of these um, kind of key areas and you can think through your own experiences, your own stories, and then go back and say, you know, which one you would like to speak on, which one do you feel most comfortable with? And if you want to tell a story or if it's going to be more of a statistic. Um, the next is to increase uh, SNAP participation, the, the, you know, the Supplemental Nutrition uh, Assistance Program. So obviously, like Jacob said, there's like work requirements now, uh, college food, you know, college SNAP participation is now, um, you know, it was something that was being cut, right? And so really like emphasizing our interest in strengthening SNAP because it's not reaching enough people and we need it to reach uh, everyone who needs it. 
And so things like um, eliminating the ban for individuals with prior drug offenses, right? Or um, in, you know, expanding um, SNAP to um, college you know, students um, who are eligible, or even ensuring that like elderly, um, elderly folks, right? Um, uh, grandparents or people who are caregivers for children and people with disabilities that are accessing SNAP. Um, so those are key priorities, again, from what we heard from our listening sessions that we want to push. So if you can talk to, you know, a story of an elderly person or a college student struggling with food insecurity and how SNAP can support them, that would be incredibly helpful. And then a statistic around college and food, college, uh, food security, insecurity, and, and how much it, it has expanded, you know, and how much it actually exists. Um, so, so those are just another key area. Um, the, the third key area is supporting local and sustainable uh, food systems. So this is what um, Yesha was talking about earlier, right? And so our ask is to increase um, nutrition research and sustain on sustainability. You know, so we're trying to get them from the current $15 million to $50 million per year in sustainable nutrition sciences and really trying to um, support um, climate change and education and nutrition, right? So food has an impact on climate and climate has impact on food. Um, and so we really wanna make sure we make that, that cycle um, stronger and just explaining it a little bit more and also like encouraging equity in the way we give out some of this funding. So ensuring that the distribution of some funds goes to minority serving institutions and really collaborative partnerships with community-based organizations, right? So, so that it's not just going to like, you know, um, the same old people that we're really trying to be more diverse in, in our funding. Um, so that's kind of the uh, sustainable and local um, food system. And then a, third, a fourth priority was uh, addressing food waste. And so uh, food waste, you know, as we all know, is a, is a major issue in the United States. And even though the USDA has really focused on, on food waste and has had an interest in the recent years on food waste, we wanna make it explicit in the Farm Bill. And um, so one program, for example, is um, the you know, uh, Farm to, to, to Food Bank uh, Bill, which would uh, provide some funding for food banks um, to support local farms, but also to Im improve like donations and reduce um, kind of um, food waste. And so that strengthening that and reducing the barrier, which is the state match to that program would be really helpful. And then also just like the area of food waste has not been as um, evaluated and, and researched as other areas. And so just providing some funding to develop and share evaluation approaches that will make it um, scalable and equitable across the, the US. Um, and then finally, the last thing is promoting um, equity in food and health and food access. And so we know that, you know, accessing food is has a lot more to do with like social other social determinants of health, right? Um, so things like transportation and, and, and zoning and things like that. And so really just advocating for uh, changes kind of on the uh, local, regional and national level to reduce systematic barriers to food insecurity um, and to improve food access. So things like um, improving public transportation and, and having more kind of equitable distribution of resources um, in specifically in areas that are food deserts and so on. 
Um, and so we're we're hoping that with all of this, um, that we'll be able to kind of um, tell stories about each one of these five areas, and then also kind of highlight key findings from research that we find in this area. Um, so for next steps, uh, we will be emailing a list of the House and Senate staff um, to the for the Agricultural Committee. So please do email your representative from your state. Um, start thinking about a story or talking points that you want to include in your testimonials. And then we will be sending out a Qualtrics survey to just organize us to say who's going to speak at what. So we have five key areas and we have 25 people. So I anticipate having about two people speak about a key area. Um, so about 10 people will be there to speak and then others can chime in as we um, go along. I will be your um, studious time creeper to make sure that we're not going over time and making sure everyone's um, kind of given a chance to speak. Um, but but really, it's it's an opportunity for everyone who is um, interested in this area to really kind of get their their voices heard. This year's conference is about empowering um, you know food citizens and and getting people to feel like their voices matter and, and your voices do matter. And this is an opportunity to kind of uh, shape policy, which is very exciting. Um, and then finally, uh, we will meet at the hotel lobby at 9 a.m. Even though our session is at 1030, um, we will be kind of just meeting from 9 to 1030 just to, to share, um, to just get organized, make sure everyone um, is aware of what they're doing. And then, like Jacob said, the, the map is a little complicated, so we'll find the room together. <laughs> um, so we'll we'll kind of uh, be walking over to the hill together and, and finding the room and getting organized. Um, so with that, um, I think I, I wanna I thank you all again for your time and, and energy and excitement around this. I'm very, very excited. And I, I'm looking forward to seeing you all in DC. Um, I'll open it up to questions. If anyone has any questions before, before we end the webinar, I know we're Sir, like two yeah. minutes over. Sarah, while they're working on questions, I do think we have a, a, a room set aside for everyone to meet. Um, so watch the conference app, but there, I think we'll have a room for everyone to meet and gather in. So you're not just gathering in the lobby. Perfect. Okay. Excellent. Thank you, Rachel. Of course, happy to do it, Yonori. It's very exciting. Looks like there's a few hands raised in the. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I, can't see the hands. Okay. I know I'm I missed the hand too. Yeah. All right. Go ahead, Yesha. Do you have a question? Oh, sorry. I don't have a question. That was from before. Thank you. Okay. No problem. All right. Uh, Jigna, do you have a question? Uh, yes, so you said that we will be covering five key topics and uh, two people for each topic. So how long do you expect each of us to talk? Yeah, so we have about an hour to 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 for in the room. that's that's how long we were able to book the room. Um, and I think um, the idea is if we can, you know, spend fifteen minutes on each topic, um, then we can kind of, um, you know, have time to really delve into it. So, so uh, you know, again, 15 minutes, but that's giving the staffers time to come back with questions, coming back with, you know, um, other things. So, um, so I think like really it should be like around if you four to five minutes each, and then you know a little back and forth before we move to the next um, topic. Does that is that make sense? 
Yes, yes, very much. And again, thank you so much for doing this. Yeah, of course. Thank you. Hi, Sarah and Jacob. Actually, I do have a question. So just about the flow. So I, because I have a Wisconsin uh, representative who is on the Ag Committee that I'm going to reach out for and their staff. So what I don't know is, I mean, just I'm trying to envision, do staffers and people come in during that hour or is everybody coming in at one time and then they leave when they want to, but they kind of anticipate everyone arriving at the same time. Yeah, we're trying to get everyone to come at the same time. Um, but we, like Jacob said, understand that people are really called away to do things. But the anticipation is that we will basically have that hour to talk about those five key um, kind of focus. And so focus foci. Um, so so we'll we'll be basically going through um each of those five things. So we're hoping that they'll stay the whole time. We have the hour booked for, you know, the room booked for an hour. And so we're hoping they come in, they stay the whole time, and then uh, they head out. So um, that's kind of the plan. Okay, great. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. Leslie? That was part of my question. Um, but also, if they are not able to come, should we let them know that we'll stop by their office and leave the leave behind and, and see if there's anybody there to talk to, or is, is there some, is there some other like plan B if we can't get them there? Sure. Yeah. So we have like this um, session was from nine to one. So we have time, you know, the, the session, our time at, in the room will end at 1130, but we can definitely have extra copies of the leave behind and have folks like just kind of wander and go into uh, different staffers offices to to hand out things and just kind of meet them individually i just don't i was it was going to be really hard for acpp to organize that um so what we thought was to have one room where everyone comes we do our you know our our you know focus and then uh and and kind of advocate for the key areas and and then everyone could kind of have that few hours afterwards to to just you know uh, walk around and, and meet people um, so, so that will be at your own discretion afterwards. Thank you, Sarah. Yeah, no problem. Any other questions? I have one other question related, oh, sorry, to the, yeah. um, leave behind. Mm -hmm. So because I'm a, Farmers Union member as well. Is it okay after the board approves that we also can we distribute the leave behind to like other partner organizations? Is that going to be okay? Um, Rachel, what do you think? I think that's okay. I I, I would have to defer to Rachel. Yeah, I once the board approves it and we start to distribute it, I don't know why you couldn't. Is it going to be posted on our website? I don't think we were going to do that. I think we were just going to like print it for the conference and then we distribute it among the people who are attending uh, just so that we can get ready for talking points. But I, I don't see why we can't put it on the website. Rachel, what do you yeah. think? Okay. Well, and I, I even thought, and Jacob, you could, so if someone did not accept our invitation, is it appropriate to email them as a follow-up with our leave behind? Um, I mean, yes, and also you can do it as a meeting request too. So, I mean, I know obviously capacity, capacity depending, because I mean, we just did 
CSPI just did our heel day with a bunch of with a bunch of partners that we flew in as well. And I, you know, I ended up scheduling all the meetings and it was a lot to schedule also. I I understand, you know, there's not always time and space to do that. Um, and just the back and forth can be intensive. That being said, if you have capacity or if you know you have folks who are going to be participating in the meeting who have capacity to try to schedule, like you could try to schedule a block of visits between what it's like 1130 and one. Mm-hmm. Right? So you could see just if any of the folks who can't make it there or once you can would be available for a one-on-one visit. That could be sort of a secondary request following that they come to the meeting. And then if not, always fine to share over materials. But okay. um, you know, if you can get FaceTime with them in some way, um, fantastic. Helpful. Thank you. Yeah, we also we were worried about like the room because we have like 25 people signed up for this program. So we weren't sure if like you know, we would have to break up into smaller groups and like go around. So it just felt like it was going to be more difficult to just kind of do the individual visits. Oh yeah, no, it's it's a lot of work to organize. So yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, you know, the dynamics of it kind of change day of, right? Depending on who's there and what, how it makes sense to engage with them. So totally. Yeah. Excellent. Any other questions? All right. Well, I want to thank you again so, so much for kind of participating today. And I'm very excited to see you all in D.C. in seven days. Um, and so thank you so much. And Jacob, thank you so much for your kind of insight and um, and all of your tips. And, and we're excited to kind of uh, get started and, and let you know how it went. Yeah, thank you. And uh, go get them. <laughs> Thank you. Um, we'll get the recording out along with the um, handouts. And then Sarah, it sounds like we've got some other things going out. So everybody be in touch by email. We'll see you next week. Yeah. Right. Take care.